Well, good morning, Oakwood family. So glad that you're here uh, this morning. If you're here with us in service or online, you're going to be blessed. Man, what a great worship team we have. I mean, glory, hallelujah, that is. <laughs> I mean, here, here's the bottom line is you ought to be able to worship with anything, anybody, anytime, even if they're singing off key or something, you ought to be able to, you know, focus on the Lord. It's, it's a vertical focus, but that team right there makes it super easy. <laughs> uh, man, that was great. Uh, I just, I love our worship and thanks to Rusty and the team for prepare and do all the hours and everything that they do to uh, prepare for that. So it's been great. Also just want to acknowledge the women's conference this weekend uh, happened. It was awesome. Well attended. Thank you ladies. And just praying that that discipleship, those seeds that have been planted with you and those relationships. I know a lot of ladies made new friends this weekend. Um, hope those uh, just, just go on into the future and just enhance your relationship with Jesus Christ. On that note, we've been inviting you to things and we are beginning a new series today. It'll be just two weeks called the invite, because I believe there is great power in an invitation. Let me give you an example. Whether you admit it or not, you probably like getting invited to things. It makes you kind of feel special. Kind of makes you kind of feel like you're in, right? I, I got invited to something uh, uh, a few weeks ago that I, I really had no idea. In fact, when I got the invite to it, I thought it was a mistake because I was like, why are they inviting me? You know, um, I got invited to the uh, launch uh, or the pre-launch of Hideaway Pizza. And, and I, I got this email and, and it was, you know, you got a VIP thing. And I was like, oh, no, I'm not very important person. I'm like low person, you know, and, and I was like, they've, somebody put me on a list, you know, and it was like wrong list, wrong person. But no, it's like, we invite you and your family to come experience it for free before it opens. So you ever done that? You ever seen those restaurants that are open before they open and the cars are there and you're like, wait, that doesn't open until Tuesday. Why is everybody there? It's, it's the VIP people. Well, I got invited. Okay. And I can tell you what, I was so excited to be invited to that. I mean, free hideaway pizza. I hadn't had hideaway pizza in years, you know? And I, I, I was just shocked by the invite. It was not only for me, but for my whole family. I mean, what a blessing. And so we, we went and, and we're treated. I mean, it was like roll, roll out the red carpet. You walk into the lobby there and like, oh, are you the Keller family? Well, yes, we have you for 540 seating right this way. And I was like, that's not how it is now, by the way, if you haven't, if you've been... Yeah, but you know, it's like sitting right over here and, and then they, they bring us a menu and say, just, just have whatever you want for free. And I was like, wow, this is, I mean, but just the invite to it. And I thought it was a mistake. I really did. I thought I wasn't joking. I really thought, why did they invite me? Now the, the store manager there, his name is Neil and Neil came around to my table and I was just like, Hey man, I got an invite to this. I'm just still making sure it's right. And he's like, Oh no, we, we invited uh, faith-based leaders in the community, uh, school teachers, because it's not just business leaders and stuff. It's, um, we, we tried to reach out to some different circles and we wanted your feedback and wanted you to come. And so I thought that was really, really cool. Uh, that they did that, and I got to be a part of that. But getting that invite in the email was really exciting, okay? It was about four weeks before it Then the fact that they invited my family. I mean, I told my family we were excited. We had marked the calendar that Thursday night. You know, we, had, you know, we knew exactly what time they said to be there. And, uh, it was just so exciting to feel like we're in. You know, we're invited. We're, we're going to be a part of something. And I think that that's the way it is for, you know, a, a birthday party or, or someone invites you to go on vacation with them or somebody. You know, you get an invitation. You kind of get excited about that. How much more in the kingdom of God? How much more to be invited to be a part of God's family? 
want to share a couple statistics with you. George Barna Research latest statistics from last year says this. 96% of people who are invited by a friend to visit a church service will do so at least once. 96%. I mean, is there anything that's 96% in this world anymore? <laughs> that, that's pretty good odds, folks. I mean, we're talking above 9 out of 10 times. That if you invite someone to church, that they will come at least once. There's no guarantee beyond that. And the other interesting statistic I read that was really encouraging to me, and it makes a lot of sense, it said over 90% of people who are in church today are there because they were invited by a friend or a family member. Someone cared enough to say, join me. Join us. Come Come be a part of this. And it's just amazing to me how sometimes I think as Christians, this is really low-hanging fruit, and we don't invite people. Now, Michael mentioned it, mentioned it uh, earlier uh, during the announcements at the beginning that this is the season of the year where invites take root the most. This is, you know, going into the, the it's the Lenten season, you know, and, and it's going into the Easter season, and people are just more receptive this time of year than other times of the year. And so we as Christians are called by God to invite them. It's part of our Christian mission. I think so many times we don't take advantage of that. And here's, here's the honest truth. Some people, that's what they're waiting on from you. They know you're a Christian. They know you go to church. They've heard your Christian stories, and they're just waiting to say, am I good enough? Because maybe they don't want me, you know, and, what, my life's a mess, you know. Do, do, they let, do they let divorced people go there? Do they, do they let people that have never been in church before? Well, you know, man, I cussed, I cussed a guy out the other day in front of a whole crowd of people. Do they let people like me come into church? Because most people, you don't have to tell them, hey, you're lost. You're, you're, you're a lost sinner. They already know that. They're waiting on someone to reach out to them to say, I care. There's power in that invitation. When they've hit their wall, when they've hit their crisis, when they are depressed, when they hit their rock bottom, God is working and orchestrating in the background of all of that, that they would come to this moment where someone says, hey, I'm throwing you a life. I'm reaching out to you. What are you doing next weekend? Would you come to church with me? There's power and the invite, and so many people, I think, are just waiting on it. Our text this morning is 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So if you have your Bible, I invite you to turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. As always, if you have a phone or a tablet, download the Oakwood app. Um, you can actually give for the auction today in the app. So it's a quick way to, to, to pay out for the dessert auction today. You can also give your tithes and offerings on there as well. It's really convenient. But in the Oakwood app, there's sermon notes. If you click on that, all the scripture... And all of the uh, bullet points and all that will be there for you. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. Let me give you just a little bit of background. Okay, just a few verses above what we're going to read this morning. Basically, the Apostle Paul told some Corinthian Christians, he basically said that you are babies. 
You are baby Christians, and you're acting like babies. And there was this controversy going, and some of them were like, you know, well, hey, I'm better than you because I got, I was baptized by the Apostle Paul. Well, I'm better than you because Apollos, you know, he's the one that led me to Christ. And, and so there, this was going on, and so he's addressing this issue. But I want you to catch what he's saying here. We're going to begin uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning with verse 4. It, this is what it says. For when one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed because the Apostle Paul is writing this to the, to the Christians in Corinth there. He, I planted the seed. Apollos watered it. But God has been making it grow. I want to call your attention to the fact that Apollos and Paul did their part. Invited people to become a part of God's family. There's several things I want us to learn from this passage this morning. First one is this. The gospel is for everyone. The gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. The gospel is for everyone. Look what the scripture says. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says this. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek in Acts chapter 2, verse 39, Peter preaching the sermon there in Jerusalem, he says this, For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. The gospel, the good news, is for those, for all who are far off, for everyone. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow in fulfilling his promise as some count slowness. And he's talking about Jesus' second return there. Hey, he's not slow in fulfilling and making good on that promise. Jesus is coming back. But he is patient toward you, not wishing that anyone should perish, but that everyone should reach repentance. Folks, the gospel is for everyone. The fact is that I think we forget this sometimes as Christians. And I think, that, I think the sad fact is, is that as Christians, we forget what it feels like to be lost. Some of you have been Christians for 10 years, 15 years, 20, 30, 40. Some of you have been Christians longer than 50 years. Most of your life you have known as a Christian, most, most of your life you have known within the body of Christ. Most of the time you have not known and maybe just can't even recall, what did it feel like to be an outsider to the kingdom of God? And yet, the gospel is for everyone. Even for people who don't look like us. Even for people of different socioeconomic status. Even for people that maybe we don't agree with politically. Even for people that we don't maybe, maybe enjoy being, being in the neighborhood with them. Maybe it's for people from, from a different background than we're used to, or maybe even something from that we're, we're comfortable with, but the gospel, the good news of Jesus is for everyone. And I know some of you are like, man, I wish these people would change, and then I would share the gospel with them. The problem is, if you don't share with the gospel with them, they will never change. It's the power of God operating in people that's going to change their life. 
It's the evidence of salvation, the Bible says. is the power of a changed life through being saved by Jesus Christ. So we can't clean them up and then bring them in. We bring them in, and Jesus helps clean up the messes they've made of their lives. But we have to remember that the gospel is for everyone. I think we forget that sometimes. In Matthew chapter 9, verses 12 through 13, Jesus is sitting there talking to the crowds, and they made some comments, and, and, you know, and, and why is he eating with sinners and doing all this kind of stuff? And it says, on hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus, in his own words, says, hey, I'm here for my lost kids. And if you're outside of Christ this morning and you're here, that's good news. He's saying, I'm not here for everybody that doesn't need a doctor. I'm here for the sick ones. To provide hope of eternal life. To provide a way out of their sinful lifestyle that is killing their life. I am the way out. I am the answer. And Jesus, through that, reminds us that the gospel is for everyone. Second thing this morning. God will use you to reach others. God will use you to reach others. Do you understand that? He actually has a plan for you to reach others. And if you are a Christian, if you came in this morning and says, yes, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, guess what? This is your main thing in life. You want to follow Jesus? This is your main thing, is that you share Christ with other people. God will use you to reach other people. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says this. This is Jesus with the disciples parting words before he goes into heaven. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. And what he's saying there is, you're going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and then you're going to go to work in my kingdom. And you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem for those people that was like Enid. That was like their city, their town. And so he says, you'll be my witnesses here in your hometown of Enid. And he goes on, he says, in all of Judea and Samaria. So that would be like in Garfield County and in the state of Oklahoma. So you're going to be my witnesses in Enid and Garfield County in the state of Oklahoma. And then he says, and even to the ends of the earth. We're going to take it worldwide. We're going to plant churches everywhere. We're going to have Christians infiltrate the system. We're going to have Christians be in the business world. They're going to be bankers. They're going to be hospital nurses. They're going to be teachers in the schools. It's our mission to be witnesses for Christ. But it takes someone to reach those people outside of Christ, to bring them into Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 says this, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. It's our mission, and God will use you to reach other people. You know the marching orders. I mean, I mention this like 25 times a year. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, we call it the Great Commission. 
Let's understand it again. Maybe take it to memory this time. Then Jesus came to them and said, so this is right before Jesus ascends into heaven. He's with the disciples. His last statement, don't you think the son of God's going to heaven? What is he going to say? Let's hang on his every word. This is what he says. Jesus came to them and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth have been given unto me. Do you know what Jesus is doing there? He's like, I'm the son of God, Jesus Christ. I'm the son of God in the flesh. Listen to my words. All authority in heaven and on earth have been given unto me. Mm. That's what he was doing. He was flexing his muscles. He's the son of God. What does the son of God say? He says, therefore, because, mm, because I'm God's son, because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me by my heavenly father. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And he says, and I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. As you go out and you carry on this Christian mission with a white hot heart for the gospel, I'm gonna be with you as you go and as you share Christ and as you're a witness for me in the world. Folks, God will use you to reach others. He has a plan for you to reach others. There are some of the others that you're the only one that has a relationship with them and God wants to use you. Third thing this morning. Someone is waiting for you to invite them to church. Someone right now is waiting for you to invite them to church. They're waiting. They just, they're just, they know your background, they know everything, they're just waiting. And you thought, man, I don't know if I can invite them. I mean, dude, they're foul as the day is long. I, I don't know what they'll say or do. In fact, they might cuss me out if I throw the invite their way. You know, the, I, I don't know if I can do it. Look, look what it says in our, in our text in verse 5. What after all is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. Why? Because they shared, because they invited you into a relationship with Jesus Christ. They invited you to be a part of the family of God. It's a powerful invitation. So why don't we do it? It seems like such an easy and maybe even a natural first step. I know some people say, well, I just don't know if I could share my faith. I don't know if I could lead to someone to Christ because I'm afraid I'd say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. I understand that, but could you invite them to church? Now, I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to like dial this down, make this, you know, easy on us. We just finished a series in 1 Peter, and we're in the middle of 1 Peter. It says what? That believers need to always be prepared to give the reason for the hope that they have. Why? So you can share it with others. We just studied that. We just read that. We know we've got to learn to share the gospel. Whether it's on the napkin or on your phone or a little thing, I mean, you have to be prepared to share the gospel. You have to be prepared with your story and your witness and your testimony and be able to share that with others. It's important. I'm not trying to say don't do that or you shouldn't do that. We should all be prepared. But maybe a first easy way to help introduce them to Jesus Christ is to invite them to a church service where they sit in this room and they feel the presence of the Holy Spirit as people worship God. 
I'm sorry, I think it's hard to not be ministered to by that this morning in our service. That's, that song, when I say Jesus, goosebumps for me. Holy Spirit in the room. God himself in the house, in his house. Invite. Someone is waiting for you to invite them to church. They're just waiting for you to ask them. And I know for some of you may say, man, uh, they don't like crowds. They don't like, you know, the parking lots, hard to find a place to park. And all this, you know, maybe this isn't the first place you invite. Maybe you invite them to an outreach event like Easter extravaganza. Maybe, maybe you in, invite them to your discipleship group on Wednesday nights. Maybe that smaller environment is where they need to step in. Maybe the next time we have a women's conference, ladies, you invite that lady that you've always wanted to invite to church. She's so nice, but she's going to hell. And you know it. And so it's like, hey, invite them to be a part. Invite them and love them into the kingdom of God. There's power in the personal invite. And we have to prepare ourselves. Sometimes I think what we don't do a good job of is we don't prepare ourselves for when they come. We're really bad at that as church people sometimes. We're so comfortable here. We know where everything's at. You can't assume that of someone that's, that's here for the first time. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine that's here and eating at another church, and uh, he had hosted a funeral last week at his church for uh, someone that had no affiliation with his church. They just said, hey, can we use your you know, facility? And, and he said, yes. And, and I said, well, how'd that work for you? And he goes, oh, it's great. I said, how was, it, how was it great? I mean, you, you know, your staff and you got the, the building and you got, I mean, you know, you got, it's work, you know? And he goes, oh, I, I didn't do the service. He goes, all, all they asked me to do is say a prayer. I just said a prayer and that was it. Had someone else come in and do everything and they were just using our building. And I said, and you, and you like having the, the community come to your facility? Because, you know, he knows we have the oak and we invite the community to come and we're, we're open to the community. You know, he, he, said, he said, oh, yeah, he goes, this is great. He goes, after that service, I had a family come up to me, uh, the, this, this couple, and, and they said, hey, man, your building is so nice and we've never been in here. And, and it, it was great and, and really appreciate the service today. And I think we're going to be here Sunday. I said, wow, did someone invite him? He goes, no. He goes, yes and no. We invited him to come in for a funeral. And, and, and they had a good experience at the funeral, and they saw our facility, and I think it just broke down walls of what is behind those doors. What, where do I go? And I got kids. Do, I, do, do they sit in church with me, or do they go somewhere? And if they go somewhere, where do they go? And who do they go with? And, you know, you... We, we forget this when we're in the church for so long of how hard it is to come and visit a church. So when you invite them, would you please meet them at the doors or meet them outside in the parking lot? When you invite them, does they go out there and meet them and say, hey, so glad you're here. Hey, let me walk you in. Let me show you where children's check-in is. Let me show you where the bathroom is. Let me show you where the donuts and coffee are. You know, important stuff. But let, let, let me show you around, and here's the service, and here's the times that it starts. And, you know, Rusty really wants everyone to be there on time because, you know, the first note of worship to God. You know, and, you know, but you, you, you help them. You, you take them around. You show them. And you make the outsiders feel like an insider when you do that. It's not just the greeting team's job. It's our job when you invite someone. When I did student ministry years ago, I would always tell my youth group, I had student greeters that would just greet people when they came in the doors. But beyond that, I always told my students, when you invite a friend, you meet them outside. You meet them in the parking lot. Peonia, Colorado at the Teen Center outside the city park or uh, Clinton, Oklahoma at the Teen Center downtown. I want you to be out there on the sidewalk to meet them when they come. It's intimidating to have to walk in. 
and not find your friend and not know where they're at. Please go and meet them. It's the same way for adults. Help break the ice. Say, you know what? Come in. Come in and be a part of this. And, and, even, and even beyond that, when you come in, hey, uh, are you doing anything for lunch today? I want to take you to lunch after church. Let's talk. Open those doors. Someone is waiting for you to invite them. We've made this super easy too. I know Michael talked about this earlier, but we have these invite cards. I know sometimes it's the information problem, right? The Easter weekend, we're at church, we're busy, right? We've got three opportunities for people to come. We've got Good Friday service on Friday night, really focusing on the death of Jesus Christ, the crucifixion. We've got Easter extravaganza, super big family event on Saturday, potentially a couple thousand people come here. Do you know that that Easter experience, the little hayride they go behind our building, that's like a gospel presentation in five scenes. Okay, Corey's gonna come out in a little bit and tell you we still have spots available. You, to act in that, you don't, have to, you don't have to have a speaking part. You just put on biblical uh, clothes and do what they say. You know, it might be walk over here and take this basket and put it here and sit and watch Jesus pray. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's not rocket science. We just need, I mean, is the gospel worth it that maybe you could give up two hours on the Saturday before Easter and come and help with that? Maybe, maybe even come man one of the bounce houses or help with the Easter egg hunt. I know there's still some spots available. But when you invite people, you can tell them it's right here. Easter extravaganza. All the information's right here of all the times and everything. On the other side is the Good Friday service and our Easter services on Sunday morning. And maybe, maybe if you didn't have to have, remember all the information about it, maybe if you just had all the information here and you just said, man, I would love to see you Easter weekend at my church. Would you come? Would you be my guest? And here's three opportunities, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. Would you, would you come? Man, we would love to have you here. This is really important. This is really important to me. It's, it's really important to you, and you may not even realize it. Would you come? Grab these cards. They're on the tables in the lobby and invite. The last thing this morning, we need to pray and watch God work. Pray and watch God work. What did it say there in verse 6? It said, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. God has been working in the background before you invited your friend. God has been working through their circumstances, through their situation. He's been Fertilizing their heart so it can receive the seed and maybe actually grow something out of it. Trust God, pray to God. Look what it says here in 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, says this I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Did you catch that? That's a lot of prayer. We're going to be petitioning God, coming to him over and over again with our petitions. We're going to be praying to him. That's just talking to God. And we're going to have intercession on that intercession word means that we're going to pray on the behalf of others. We're going to intercede for them. I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. And then he addresses something specific to the situation here. He says, hey, for kings and all those in authority, even the kings and those in authority, we're going to pray for those people too, that they may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Hey, this is good. And it pleases God our Father who wants what people? He wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, that man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for 
all people. So we pray and we trust God to work because God's heart is for the lost. I want to end this morning by reading from Luke chapter 15. And if if you want to turn there, you can. If you don't, uh, just listen. Luke chapter 15 comes on the heels of Luke chapter 14. I know that was deep, but... But in chapter 14, verse 25, the subheading of my Bible says, the cost of being a disciple. Jesus has just laid it down for people, like big time. He just told them, you gotta hate your mom and dad, your brother and sister, and even your own life, or you cannot be my disciple. Ooh. What Jesus was saying there is, you have to love me more than anyone or anything else in this world. You gotta passionately love me. And you gotta love me so much that it feels like you're hating your Mom and dad, your brother or sister, or even your own life. That's how much you have to love you have to have for me to be a follower of me. He said that you have to give up everything you have or you cannot be my disciple. Now, he wasn't saying, hey, you need to take a vow of poverty. He was just saying that everything is a resource for my kingdom. Everything that you own is a resource for my kingdom. You are stewards of what I have so richly blessed you with, Americans. After that, he gives an illustration, and then he says, in the same way, if you're not willing to give up everything you have, you cannot be my disciple. You end with chapter 14 in Luke, and you're like, wow. Man, Jesus is really throwing it down here. And he had this crowd following him of these fickle followers, you know, the Sunday only. Oh, I'm a Christian on Sunday. I live like hell the rest of the week, but oh, I'm a Christian on Sunday. And, and he was just laying it down saying, hey, if you're going to be a follower of me, I want you to be the real deal. And I wonder if in that moment, some people thought, man, who's this Jesus for? I mean, my goodness. And then Luke 15, verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. Those people. Hmm. I love the way the NLT says it. The New Living Translation says it like this. It says, now the tax collectors and other notorious sinners. <laughs> the, bad, the bad sinners. <laughs> The ones that are like make you blush type sinners that you don't really want to know what they've done or what they've said or where they've been or where they were last night. And those people were gathering around Jesus. And then in verse 2, but the Pharisees, that was the religious elitists, you know, the ones that had their lives all together. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and even eats with them. Can you imagine he even shares a meal, like an intimate meal with you? He sits down at the table with these people. Oh, my gosh. And then Jesus responds, as he does so many times, he responds with a parable. It's really short. It says in verse 3, Jesus responds with a parable. Jesus says this. Suppose that one of you has a 100 sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep? Until he finds it, he keeps going after it until he finds it. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and carries it and goes home. And then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. And then Jesus says this, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. What is Jesus saying there? 
that I have come for the lost. What did we read earlier from Matthew's gospel? It's the sick that need a doctor. If you're not sick, why are you going to the doctor? Jesus came for the sick, he came for the lost. In chapter 15 here, it goes on with another story about a lost coin, and you know what's behind that? The prodigal son. Jesus in three stories in Luke 15 says, I'm about lost people. When I come to die, I'm dying for lost people. And I guess what I'm saying to you this morning is, could you invite some of those people to church? What if your invite changes someone's eternal destination is just because you got the words out? The gospel is for everyone, but people have got to hear it and they got to know that they're welcome to be a part of it. And I think there's no better time of the year than now and no better season on the earth than now for us to invite.